so things haven't turned out as you hoped. Life took a turn. A bump. A darkened sky. And at times, it may have seemed there was no hope. But here's the good news. Our God is the God of fresh starts. Our God is the God of new beginnings. God brings new mercies, new compassions, not just once a year, not just when things are bad, but every single morning. This season has been tough, and for many of us, things will never be the same. Well, good morning, my beautiful family. All right, it's wonderful to see you. I see you have made it through Christmas. You made it. And uh, it's awesome to see you today. We're trucking on to a new year. And um, this, this morning, I wanted to talk to you about something that is very, very familiar to all of us. A phrase, a saying, something that I know that you have heard again and again and again a few weeks ago. And thinking about what it is that this last Sunday of the year that I wanted to talk to you about today, this phrase jumped into my mind. It's something that I have heard time after time after time. And so for some of you, for most all of you, I know you will have heard this at some point or another. If I say to you today, That as we approach a brand new year, the best is yet to come. What would you say? I mean, what does that mean? I started thinking about that. And is there ever a time when that's not the case? Is there ever a situation? Is there ever a season in our life? As I thought about this, I'm like, what are there times when that's not true? Are there times when 
Maybe you're going through something and someone says that to you and what you want to do is you want to knock them upside the head. You know what I mean? It's like the best is yet to come. Ah, shut up. You know? Are there times? Is there anything that you could be in or going through? Is there ever a thing that you could face where that phrase would not be true? Who came up with that? Who was the first person to ever put that, those words in that phrase, the best is yet to come? Is there ever a time where that's just not true? So I'm rolling this over and over and over again in my mind. Thinking about times of lack, times of loss, times of great difficulty, times of great suffering. Maybe it's in the area of a relationship. Or maybe physically. You've been dealing with something for a very, very long time, and someone says to you, the best is yet to come. Well, when? Have you ever done that? The best is yet to come. Or, are you sure? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what, is, that, is that always true? Is it always true? That there's good things still in front of us. When you watch your child's life fall apart, when you stand beside a parent's bed and watch them wither away, when you look at on your, on your, your phone and you watch your checking account balance just like slowly, it's like, oh, is there ever a time when that's just not true? There is. There is a situation, there is a, only one, one situation where the truth is the best is not yet to come. And I'll talk about that at the end of my message. The best is yet to come is not just a cliche. And it's not just a phrase that some greeting card author sat down and wrote. The absolute truth. And I came this morning to persuade you to agree with me. That whatever's going on in your body, whatever's going on in your family, whatever's going on in your heart and in your mind, whatever might be happening at work, I'm here to, de to declare to you and to speak over your life that the best is still in front of you. The best truly is yet to come. And so what I want you to do in true second service spirit, because you guys are more, than, more awake than the first service, you get that. And so if you receive it, would you just shout, I receive it. I receive it. Because it can be spoken over you.
and you can read it. But if you don't receive it, if you don't internalize it as truth, you'll miss it. So how could this always be true, Pastor Matt? That the best is yet to come. Prove it, little man. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> the first scripture we're going to look at starts my body of proof, okay? In Romans, may the God of what, family? Let me hear you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of Pastor Brenda, by the power of how much money you have in your account, by the, by the power of whom, family? That you may have a little trickle, that you may have just a little sprinkling of, that you may abound in hope. How is this always true that the best is yet to come? Jerry, how can it always be true? The reason is, my brother, is because it's not up to you and it's not up to me. Our hope is in who? The God of hope. We're not putting hope in hope. We're not putting hope in a cliche or in a phrase. We put our hope in the very person, the embodiment of hope, and his name is Jesus Christ. He loves you. He's with you. He's causing you to be an overcomer. The best is yet to come. Is not just a phrase that you grab onto when you need it. Hope is a person, and hope is alive, and hope is with us. Hope is Jesus. And because our hope is not even in our ability to hold on to hope. Our hope is secure. May the God of hope remind you in your hardest days that the best is yet to come. And there's a promise, and what I've got to do is I've got to hold you captive so that you don't miss this. There's a promise for us that all, while we're on this journey of believing for the best, there's a couple things that God does for us on the way. It says, may the God of hope do what? Fill us with all joy and all peace. We're not supposed to be walking this journey on our way to the best absolutely freaked out and overcome and sad and morose and no, the deal is is God has made us a promise that as we're walking towards his best in our life we can experience this overwhelming joy yes. that sustains us when the road gets dark that sustains us when people turn their back he says you will experience all joy and all peace while you're believing for what you're believing for. 
And so while you're believing for your healing, the idea is, is that you're not sitting on Mr. Google, Googling all your symptoms. We've done that. I'm not the only idiot that's done that. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever done that, you guys? It's like, oh man, this hurts. And then you Google it and it's like, oh, I didn't realize I'm dying. You know what I mean? It's like, no, there's an idea, you guys. And the idea and the promise is this, that while we're on our journey to God's best in our life, he is giving us this constant infusion of joy and peace. Why? So that we'll keep on walking. We'll keep on believing. Our hope is not in a cliche. Our hope is in the person of Jesus Christ who always satisfies. Always. Peter was, the apostle Peter, great man, great, great man, was responsible for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ even further among the Jews and wrote some great books of the Bible. And he's writing in 1 Peter, um, this letter, he's writing to believers who have been scattered all over. They're in exile and they're facing real persecution. And you know what I used to do, family? I used to think that... (laughs) I used to think that if someone disagreed with me, oh, I'm being persecuted. Or if I went out to my car, and I should probably use a different example. Because if I go out to my car and I have a flat tire, I am being persecuted. You want to know why? Because I know there's guys like you that are out there, and ladies, I'm, 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 you know, hey, it's 2018, right? You go out to your car and you have a flat tire, you fix it. Not me. No, I mean, are, are there, is there people here that if you walk out to your car, you think like I do. I pay someone to do that because dear God, right? If I fit, yeah, yeah. And so we think, we think that we have an understanding of what persecution is. It's like, oh man, I can't, can't pay this or, oh my goodness, my, 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 my kid woke up with a fever. And sometimes we, I've been to a place, family, and experience face-to-face real persecution. And it was terrifying. I took a trip to Israel several years ago. And there was this old Jewish cleric, and he was in his full garb and everything. And he started following us around, screaming and shouting all of this terrible stuff trying to, and before we knew it, there were three or four, five, six, seven people that kind of started gathering around with him and it, it got pretty scary. And, and for the first time and really the only time in my life, I felt like, oh my goodness, like something could actually happen to us because we're Christians. Like, like it got really scary and then something miraculous happened. There were these other group of Jewish young, young people. They were like 20, 21, 22. They saw what was going on, and there was about 15 or 20 of them, and they came over, and they're like, hey, get out of here. We need to just be tolerant of everybody. We need to be, accept-. and they actually ran this smaller group up, but it was scary, you guys. There are times that we think we're facing persecution, 
when really we're just dealing with the truth of what Jesus said, that in this life we will have trouble, we will have heartache, we will face disappointment. And so Peter is writing to this group of believers who are truly being persecuted. And wouldn't you think if there was ever a time when you would have a green light to gripe and complain, it would be in this situation, right? We're scattered away from our home. We're being persecuted. We're, I mean, people are being beaten. People are being boiled in oil. They're being fed to lie. You know, persecution back then is very different than what we face, especially here in America. And so wouldn't you think if any time it would be okay to forget that phrase, the best is yet to come. It would be then. Peter writes something very, very interesting to the people who are being persecuted and who are divided. He says, praise be to God, praise God, the Father and Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that family can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for us in heaven. And so he says, as you're going through your trials and your temptations, things in our life that genuinely feel like, man, we're being attacked. We're being pers that it should sound, there should be this sound that you hear in times of uncertainty and in times of despair. That what we shouldn't hear is, oh, it's never gonna get any better, and oh, this is awful, and oh, this is terrible, and oh, poor me, and how awful this is. Peter says the exact opposite. When you find yourself in horrible situations, that's the perfect time for us to begin to praise God. It's unnatural, isn't it? It's unnatural. When I'm afraid and when I'm hurting, I wanna talk about how afraid I am and how much I hurt. When I feel weak, and when you feel weak, we just wanna talk about how weak we feel, don't we? And Peter says it's in those times that we need to begin to lift up the name of Jesus. We need to begin to magnify his name. And what we'll do, what will happen in us is the more we magnify him, the more we focus on him, the more we understand exactly the kind of God that we serve, he will, by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, he will remind us of this powerful truth. And that's this this morning, my beautiful family. You and I were created for eternity.
this life, this isn't it. This is merely a blink. Just mist in the wind compared to eternity in front of us. These, you know, if we're blessed 70, 80, 90 years on this earth are nothing. I mean, literally, you guys, it's like when we say, oh man, she lived a really long life. Oh, bless his heart, he was 97. God love him. Nothing compared to what's in front. We've got to remember that. We've got to remember we weren't created to be here forever and ever. That there's an inheritance in front of you and me. There is a beautiful place that has been prepared for us where we'll spend eternity. And the inheritance is, is that all the suffering and all the pain and all the heartache that we have to deal with in this life, that as we begin to praise him, we find ourselves being reminded the best is yet to come. It's still in front of us. There's going to come a day, Helen, when we don't need our faith anymore because our faith will be made sight. We will actually see Jesus. And so when your face, when you're when you face that pain and when you're in that darkness and when there is no light at the end of the tunnel because there is no tunnel, as you begin to praise God against your nature, against logic, and just say, God is still good. God is still God. I will praise him even in the midst of my pain. I will serve him. I will love him in fear. I will love him in despair. I will keep worshiping him even when I don't see a way out. I, will, I trust that he is on my side. I trust that he's going to turn this around for my good. I believe your report, Jesus. I believe what you say. I'm not going to go by what I feel, but I'm going to worship you anyway, Jesus. We find ourselves being reminded the best is yet to come. It's still in front of us. And so all your suffering, all of your questions, I've told you this before, I hate question marks. Hate, I love periods and I love exclamation points. Not question marks. So all the things that you want to know why. Just want to know why. Or those things that maybe you've stopped asking why. You don't care why anymore. All you know is it stinks. 
I don't care why. I just don't like it. The Apostle Paul writes something to drive home this point, family. He says, for our light and momentary troubles. And listen, he's not talking about that what you're in or what you've been through is like light. Like, well, there's always someone who's going through something worse. Or he's not talking about, and he's not even talking about the weight of the burden of financial ruin or the weight of the burden of having lost a loved one. He's not making fun of that. He's not calling that light. What he's comparing light to the scales, he's reminding us in comparison to the glory of God that is waiting for us. Hear me on this, family. If you've checked out, kind of shake yourself and check back in for a minute, all right? Then you can check back out. <laughs> He's not saying that what you're going through right now is, just, oh, it's just light. You don't know suffering. Oh, you don't know heartache. You think you got it bad? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you take, hear me, family, because if you hear me, this will encourage you, okay? If you take all the suffering that a human being can endure in 70, 80, 90 years, if you take all the suffering that one person can live through, and you put it on this side of the scale. And on the other side of the scale, family, put all of the joy and all of the beauty and all of the strength and all of the majesty of what is waiting for us, it doesn't compare. It doesn't compare to what's waiting for you. Your suffering seems so heavy, like it's swallowing you up. Paul's reminding of us, reminding us, he's not making fun of us. He's saying our light and momentary, they're temporary. They're temporary. Momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so what we need to do but it hurts, it hurts, I'm lonely, I'm afraid. What we need to do is, he says, so what we do is we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. 
That doesn't make sense. Because I can bring a doctor up here on this stage and a doctor can tell us all that it is not possible for us to focus our eyes on something we can't see. That doesn't make sense. What's he talking about here? That we're supposed to fix our eyes on something that we can't see. Because what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. What's he talking about here? And so, all right, you guys, I'm going to put something on this stage, and I really want you to focus your eyes on it. Okay, but what I want you to do is I want you to focus your eyes on it before I put it out here. What in the world am I talking? What we do. And if we're honest, we do it from time to time. I'll believe it when I see it. If we're honest, if we're honest, well, she said she's changed. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, we'll see. He said he'd never do it again. Okay, we'll see. And what Paul is saying is this, is that if we're truly gonna believe that the best is not back in high school when all oh, those were the good old days. Nico said to me several weeks ago, he was like, um, I wish I was a baby again. <laughs> He's like, but, uh, you know, babies have it made, you know, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, it's not back then. Back in the glory days when everything seemed to be much more simpler. Paul says, if we're going to truly believe that the best is still in front of us, like if we're really going to be able to believe that, then what we have to do is we have to trust God more than we trust ourselves. We have to trust God more than we trust our feelings. And so in order for you to believe that your best days are still in front of you, you've got to stop glamorizing the past. In order for us to believe that the best is yet to come, we have to stop listening to all the knuckleheads that we can surround ourselves with sometimes. Girl, I know it's bad. Oh man, oh this is horrible. Right? We, what we have to do is by the Holy Spirit that is within us, by the Holy Spirit that we all have inside of us, we have to fix our eyes of faith on something that we may not feel all the time. We have to say, God, whether I feel it, whether I see it, I believe it. And that what I'm going through, no matter how difficult it is, God, 
No matter how rough 2018 may have been, I know that I know that I know that God cannot lie. And so my best is in front of me. My latter days, my latter days will be greater than the former days. I don't care if you're 30, 60, 80, the word of God is true for you as it's ever been. The best is yet to come. And so what is it that you're believing for, for 2019? Well, I just think 2019 is going to be more the same 2018. And if you want that, you can have that. But I'm here to tell you this morning, my family, there is something greater. God has something better for you. The best is yet to come for you. Receive it. Receive it. Gobble it up. The God's best in your body is still ahead. God's best in your family is still ahead. God's best in your finances and in your schooling and in your career and in the best is yet to come because God is a good God. Would you bow your head, my beautiful family? God, for the one who is lonely this morning, the best is yet to come. For the one struggling with depression and this overwhelming sense of despair, the best is yet to come. God, for the one who is here or the one who, who is watching, and if you were honest, you would just say, I feel nothing. I feel numb. I'm just going through the motions. I speak and I declare the word of God over your life that the best is yet to come for you. Don't give up. You've only just begun. There's so much more to God that's still in front of you. And so don't stop believing. Don't stop standing. For that one God who's here or who's watching. And every day is a struggle to get out of bed. Every day they make the choice to get out of bed. The best is yet to come. Everything bows to the name of Jesus. And so I thank you, God, that you can, from ashes, you can create beauty from ashes, God. From heartache and sorrow, you can turn that into dancing. The best is yet to come. And so whatever your situation is, I'm asking you by the power of the Holy Spirit that if you believe it, just right where you're seated, 
If you would say just right now, so you can hear yourself say, would you say, I receive it. I don't resist it. I don't yeah, but it. I receive it. The best is yet to come for me. Say it. The best is yet to come for me. Thank you for that, Jesus. That's the truth. That's the truth. And we thank you for that truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When is the best not in front of you? There is. Is there a time, Pastor Matt, where the best is not yet to come? Where I don't, where we're looking forward is only doom and despair and pain and suffering. Is there a time when the best is not yet to come? Yes, there is. If you don't know Jesus, if you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how smart or how beautiful or how popular you are. If you have not asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, the worst is yet to come. And I don't want that for you. I don't want you to have to stand before God and face his judgment for what you've done. There's a way so that you can stand before God and it's, it will be as if you've never sinned. And so I'm going to say a prayer. And I'm going to invite you to say this prayer with me. This is your chance to have all your sins like completely removed from you. If you want to be a Christian today, would you say, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. But today, Jesus, I'm changing. Today, Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come in and wash away the sin. Remove the guilt and the shame. I want your best for my life. I'm all yours. In your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Would you stand up with me, my family? There's a couple things I want you to do before you get out of here. How about the last Sunday of 20, 2018? The last Sunday that you're here at GT for 2018. You give Jesus the loudest, craziest praise you can. How about we do it? Give him thanks. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We are grateful for you. We are nothing without you. You are awesome, God. By you, Jesus. And one final thing, family. I want you to turn to your neighbor, whether you know him or not. Yeah, I want you to find someone before you leave this building and look them in their tongue and teeth and say, the best is yet to come. Tell them like you believe it. The best is yet to come. Yes. Happy New Year, my family. I love you. You're the best. Happy New Year.